When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Buckle up, because Metro is bringing you the best deal in wireless. Switch to Metro and get your choice of two awesome free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens and tons of memory for all your pics and videos. So hurry into Metro and get your awesome free phones only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Right now, when you come in and switch to T-Mobile, you get the amazing iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. <sighs> Aren't these mountains majestic? Joe, are you even looking? I'm posting these amazing pics I took with my iPhone 11 Pro. It has three cameras. Whoa, those pics are amazing. And you have service too? T-Mobile. Their newest signal goes farther than ever before. Uh, then you can look up whether these are bear tracks, right? Or we could just run. Come to a T-Mobile store today and get iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. And right now, get four lines for just 30 bucks a line with AutoPay. Switch today. Contact us if you cancel or credits may stop in full price due, plus taxes and fees via 24 monthly credits for well-qualified customers with qualifying service and finance agreement. Zero down with trade-in plus 3125 times 24 months. Pre-credit price nine ninety nine ninety nine. 0% APR while supplies last.
welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 118, Unmissable Opinions, brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, and you know who I'm joined by. It's none other than Bamranum. It's been a while, and I, yeah, here I am doing the Frances with the drums. It's Diana Christine. We've got a jam-packed show for you, as always. And Diana, welcome back to the show where we're talking Luis Suarez, center backs, and much more as you're dealing not only with your work schedule being a little busier than in the past, but there's also a lot of snow there as well. Yeah, it's good to be back as usual, and I'm glad to do this again. And I'm really excited about being able to fit this in because it's been really crazy here lately with the you know holiday preparations and the, all the snow and everything. So, yeah, <laughs> glad we can do this. Yeah, so let's not waste any more of anybody's time. Again, we know that everyone's got some holiday preparation, so we hope we're in your ears for that no matter what you're doing as we start to answer La Gran Pagunta today. And I'm glad that I brought somebody who both loves Barcelona and Liverpool because the guy we want to talk about is Luis Suarez. Can Barcelona replace Luis Suarez? And with all the different news about midfielders and center backs, which we'll all get to in La Ronda but we do want to focus on that number nine because you see that Luis Suarez, for all that he is, his his buddy in, in Lidl Messi winning his fifth golden boot uh, most all time, he's the goal scorer that Luis, I mean, that Luis Suarez is aiding in getting all of those goals being Messi. But for Suarez, when you saw him first at Liverpool, Diana, and then moving to, making the move to Barcelona, being as good as he was in 2014-15 alongside Messi and Neymar in that treble-winning season— what was it about Luis Suarez at Liverpool that that Barcelona knew they had to make the move for? And that's kind of what you'd think would be the profile of a guy that Barcelona would like to make the move for again, right? I guess. I mean, I don't think that everything he does can be actually fully replaced by one player because he is such a special number nine. He is incredibly, you know, for a striker, he is selfless. And he will run himself into the ground. And that was one of the things that first uh, uh, caught my attention when uh, he moved to Liverpool. The fact that he just, he doesn't give up, you know, like no matter what the situation, he will always run and try and harry players and goalkeepers. And I think that uh, it uh, makes everyone kind of follow his lead in a way. So I'm not sure that you can get everything he does with his tactical intelligence and the way he knows how to move on the pitch and um, the, all the connections he has with the other players. I'm not sure that can be fully replaced. But the thing is that at one point or another, you kind of have to deal with the situation that he's going to be 32 in January and that's a lot for a striker, especially for a striker that has his body type. I mean, he maybe, I don't know, I keep thinking that uh, with the way his form has kind of bounced back a little uh, these, uh, this past month, maybe this will be like his swan song season. But I don't think that you can actually rely on him for much longer. So I do agree on the fact that there are a number of pressing issues for the club to deal with in the starting 11. But I also think that this is important too and should be one of the major focuses. 
Yeah, I always find it interesting that when we compliment Luis Suarez, as, as we do, that we talk about the intangibles he brings, his connection to Messi, his hard work that you mentioned, the way that he just continues to unrelentlessly run along those center backs and create spaces for his teammates. And those intangible things, the things that don't sh- uh, shine in the stats, those are the things that we compliment and mention that we can't replace with Luis Suarez. But yet, I, I even was looking at statistically, as let's break this down now, kind of shifting gears a little bit into if Suarez were to be replaced, who could possibly replace him? So I, I've divided this up into two different categories where we have three, we'll call them break-the-bank strikers, guys that if Barcelona move forward, it's going to be uh, all that they have in their, in their piggy bank for quite some time. And then the second part, we have a, a list of what is nine different young strikers, we'll say that they're... I mean, all of them are 23 and younger that Barcelona would move for that with the hopes that they could mold them and turn them into some kind of Luis Suarez. But let's start with the break the bank guys first. And the reason I bring up all of that intangibles is because when you break down the stats of the three guys here being Mauro Accardi of Inter Milan, Roberto Firmino of Liverpool, and Harry Kane of Tottenham, three guys that need no introductions. But when you look at their stats, Luis Suarez actually profiles as arguably in a lot of categories the best statistically of the three. He has the most goals this year with 11 compared to Kane's nine, Accardi's nine, Firmino has just four. Assists, he leads the pack. Four for him, three for Kane, three for Firmino, and two for Accardi. And his passing percentage is second only to Firmino's, which is at almost 83%, which is fantastic for the, the Liverpool striker. And he has those 11 goals and four assists which again are two goals better than Kane and one assist better than Kane in almost 200 minutes less of action than the English striker for Tottenham. And his, according to whoscored.com, which again is a site that we always really do trust here statistically, he has the highest match rating across the board as well. And yes, he was buoyed by uh, the match against Levante and the, the blowout as well against Huesca. But nevertheless, Suarez still statistically strikes out to be one of the best strikers in the world in, in a time where you look at some of the misses he had against uh, Levante. And even though he was clinical in his finishing on that goal assisted by Messi on that unbelievable pass by, you know, the, the Argentine genius. But yet Suarez has these plenty of moments of brilliance and, and is still st- statistically one of the very best strikers in the world. So the answer that let's, we'll start with is it's impossible in, we'll say, the next calendar year to replace him. But if one of these these three guys does replace him, um, the, the, you know, there are pro and cons to each of them. Accardi, it, it feels like he's more a future striker at Real Madrid. For a guy who grew up uh, for just a little bit of time in La Masia, he's a guy who is always, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire in that relationship with Messi. We saw he didn't really feature at the World Cup because of that reported uh, relationship with some of his Argentine teammates that are important to the World Cup squad. So uh, you get the feeling that Accardi is never going to be back in a Blaugrana shirt. If anything, he would be uh, uh, wearing all white. And that leaves Harry Kane and for Roberto Firmino. Harry Kane, third most valuable player in the world, according to transfer marked. He would probably cost, what, 170 million euros. I mean, I, Diana, you can jump in with a figure that you think Harry Kane would cost. And then that leaves Roberto Firmino of the bunch. And he seems the most realistic. I mean, Barcelona have rated Liverpool for their number nine before, but you've you've been uh, honest in saying that you, you're a big Liverpool supporter as well. And uh, apparently that agreement is that Barcelona can't move for Liverpool players now for a few seasons after rating them uh, of Coutinho. Is there truth to that? Or what, what do you know about uh, seemingly Barcelona's inability if you will, to move for Roberto Firmino. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I obviously read the report uh, about that uh, clause being inserted when uh, 
they got from they got Coutinho, but I obviously can't attest whether it's true or not. Although the people reporting it on the Liverpool side, at least, were the trusted reporters, if you will, for mm. inside information. So uh, I guess that it could be true. But the the thing that I kind of you know come back to is the fact that. Although I obviously love him, you know, and I think that he's absolutely brilliant and does so much work to make that Liverpool attack function properly, because currently he isn't really playing as an out-and-out striker. He's more of a 10, and uh, Salah some, uh, occupies the striker position, and it's a, you know, it's a fluid formation. But... Um, the thing is that he is 27 right now and early next season he will be 28. So I think that we kind of need to, you know, focus on a more long-term project because these players keep getting more and more expensive regardless of that uh, plus 100 million clause that Liverpool reportedly inserted into the Coutinho thing. So I think that Liverpool will not let him go cheaply regardless and uh, I think that we have to buy these players that are very expensive for these particular positions with a plan for a long-term investment. Because you, I mean, we, it's been four and a half years since we brought Suarez and we already have to buy the next guy. And football is getting, I mean, transfers are getting ridiculous in terms of prices. So you have to just focus on building something for the long term. I mean, I I don't know how he's doing currently because I don't have time to actually follow this, but I really liked what I saw of uh, Abel Ruiz. So maybe, I don't know, maybe we buy someone right now who is like 28 or 29 or whatever. And later on, Abel Ruiz can become the striker for the first team. I don't know. But yeah, that's my my thing right now is that I'm afraid that transfers are getting way too expensive for a club that doesn't have unlimited funds like we do and for a club that also has one of the, I think it's probably the big, biggest wage bill it in is, yeah. football. Yep. So that's also an issue because, you know, I mean, I don't mind the fact that we're paying Messi ton of money because he's messy but like <laughs> we have to be realistic about this these things there there are not unlimited funds for the club and there's only so much stuff that they can brand and sell right and, and the other point about Alba Ruiz that any guy coming from La Masia is not going to hurt your wage bill as much I mean that's what the, some of the benefit of playing Elenia and Pouche and, and eventually Alba Ruiz. And it's funny you should mention him. He is going to be 19 in January. He's currently out for six weeks, though, uh, due to an injury. He's still, I mean, of what I've seen from him this season, he has played a little less on the wing. Last year when he was breaking the Barca B, he was playing on the wing a little more. This year he has been, he and Muika, they have been the, the number nines for Barca B. But to me, he's at least two years away from making a real impact at the first team, honestly, and about three years or so away from being a starter. So I think he's still a guy that has shown enough 
uh, at the youth levels where he's a different player than Gerard Delafeu, who people always did worry when it came time to break into the first team that there were certain things that he didn't have that would fit. But physically, as just as a body, once he is 21, 22 years old, there's Avril Reed is going to have almost this perfect number nine prototypical body. And if he can figure out exactly how to use it, he's also very clinical at, and he always has been clinical at the youth levels. He's always profiled to be that guy. Um, but even this season, 14 appearances for Barca B uh, and in the UA for Youth League as well. But just two goals, no assists, scoring a goal every 419 minutes. He has not really assimilated up to that next level from the Juvenil A uh, uh, age range. And so his development, again, I, I think he really could be the guy of the future. But unfortunately, I think that's the point that he, we're going to miss our window there. With As we mentioned, Luis Suarez... I think he's still going to be an important guy next season as well. But I think we look at next season might be the, the, the final one for him. And you would already already want his replacement moved in then to take over uh, almost immediately instead of expecting Barcelona to be able to just bring this guy in uh, and figure it all out. Because again, strikers are notorious for having trouble trouble there. Um, so moving on from Abel Ruiz, though, the other names that we want to mention, again, there's a ton here. You've got Timo Werner. Of RB Leipzig, you have Maxi Gomez from Celta de Vigo, you have Valencia Santimina, you have Inter Milan's Latoro Martinez, Andres Silva uh, from Sevilla, who's on loan from AC Milan, has been lighting things up with eight goals so far this year. Casper Dolberg from Ajax, Christoph Payetic from Genoa, Luka Jovic from Eintracht Feinfurt, and finally Nicolas Pepe from Lille. Those are the nine guys who seem to be popping up. Uh, over and over and over again. And I know I threw, threw a lot of names at, at you there, and they play in entirely different leagues, though, as well. So I'm mean, looking at the, the goal scoring, Santi Mina, who's been a guy that's always popped up because of he's a Valencia guy. He only has two goals so far this year in just 663 minutes, but he's had some injury issues. Um, Martinez, Latoro Martinez, a young uh, Argentine striker. He's only he's the youngest of the bunch at 21. He only has two goals and one assist, but he does come off the bench still for Inter Milan. And those two seem like, with Mina being actually the oldest of, uh, of that crop that I mentioned, other than Andre uh, Silva, at 23, Mina seems to be a guy that is not going to be, as I just said, the guy. I don't think Mina's the guy of what we've ever seen. That's a ton of pressure to bring a guy like him into Barcelona. and He doesn't really have that that track record. And I, I think the reason I even counted them in that order was that, for me, Andre Silva has not proven it over a large amount of time in different teams that he's going to be able to take that consistent level up as well. And Dolberg, you kind of disregard because he's not only had a lot of major injuries, but if Barcelona continue to try to rate Ajax for all their talents, eventually that pipeline is, is I don't know, it's, it's not going to work out if, if they try to take three players. I, I think if you had to pick between Dolberg, De Young, and, and De Ligt, in two of the three, you're still going to take De Young and De Ligt. And so that kind of leaves uh, with, with Piatek, Jovic and Pepe. And I know this is a long little diatribe here, but with, with those three from Genoa, Eintracht Frankfurt, and Lille, this is one season. And while they have 12, 10, and 12 goals respectively, they're really lighting things up. But this is, again, only year one for them. They've come out of nowhere. So you might get them at some kind of bargain. But this is also a time when their clubs are going to want to sell at their highest. So again, I don't know about those three. And so that leaves the final two in Timo Werner from Leipzig and Maxi Gomez. Maxi Gomez from Celta de Vigo, 22 years old. Uh, eight goals so far this year, four assists, and Luis Suarez, who only wins 0.5 aerial duels per contest, Maxi Gomez wins four. He also has a passing percentage that is uh, right around where Luis Suarez is. It's 74 to 75, and it seems like Maxi Gomez, just on paper, 
and also knowing La Liga, something that Barcelona love to do. They love to bring in guys who know La Liga. It seems to me that Maxi Gomez is the answer. Yeah, the thing is that when you were listing all the players, I actually, you know, like mentally was going through them and was thinking that Maxi Gomez actually fits the profile more than the others. So, yeah, I think that he could be, you know, like a cheaper option because of the release clause things in Spain and everything. So that could work out, I guess. But again, it's the profile thing and the integration and... I mean, nothing is a sure bet with a transfer. So, yeah, I think that out of the whole bunch that you mentioned, he could be a good fit. Yeah, so I think you and I have made our pick. Again, It's for Luis Suarez, it is seemingly on the horizon. We talk about bringing in midfielders, center backs, um, and you have the feeling that left back is a light spot at the club and right back seems to be in consternation at the moment. Um, but we're going to transition to La Ronda and get away from the forward line for a minute. Let's talk about the center backs. A question from Rick. With Vermillion now out for a while and the Sydney center back, the mini center back crisis. Now, this question was asked before Jason Murillo, a 26-year-old Colombian from Valencia who cost 12 million euros from Valencia to Inter over the summer. He's played one La Liga match and one Champions League match. Looks like he's going to be coming to Barcelona on loan for the rest of the season. And that also seems to indicate that Barcelona are really going to be going hard for De Ligt, uh, from Ajax. That that is a real thing that is going to be happening. That they want to be in that race and they want to be able to have the funds and the opportunities to go in on that. So Rick asked, would be trying to get a center back in the January transfer window, which is seeming is it has been a yes. It's not going to be a waste of money if it's a loan. Um, but I think the question then, we're going to change this up. Uh, Diana, does it concern you that they're bringing in a 26-year-old uh, to be that? What is automatically, basically, with Vermillion and Umtiti out for uh, your, your guy Umtiti out for a long time? Murillo instantly becomes a third-choice center back, and does that worry you that guys like Chumi, who've been on the bench but basically in glass and in case of emergency kind of glass, that he is not going to be trusted being Chumi at all, including Cuenca, also not going to be trusted at all? That it seems like they had to bring in a guy outside. I think that regardless of the B team, you still need to have at least like three center backs at all times in the first team. So you can bring in a B team player if one of them gets injured. But just, you know, think about the fact that, I don't know, Langley gets injured. So then what? You play Piquet until he dies. <laughs> so this is the thing that you, you need another body there. So I guess that when Umtiti does come back from his, you know, treatment in Qatar or whatever he was doing there, he will, they will assess him and we'll see where we stand. So I, I agree on the fact that the B team players should and, you know, could get a chance against, you know, like La Liga opposition and stuff. But the thing is that if you're thinking about going, you know, deep into the Champions League, which I hope that we will and not like stop in the quarters or whatever again <laughs> so uh, yeah I think that you need another body and uh, Mario has the experience he's an international player and uh, I I know that he has had issues with Marcelino at uh, Valencia and that's why he hasn't played more but I remember when he first came up a couple of years ago in uh, his years in La Liga before he went to Inter, that he was really good and everyone was really excited about him. I don't know about his injury record, but 
you know, out of the bunch of players that you could get in January for a six-month loan, I think he, he might be a good option. I don't really have enough information to, you know, make a qualitative judgment on that. But I wouldn't be completely opposed to the idea. I think he could be okay. Yeah, I think it, it is almost a best-case scenario here that he clearly fell at Marcelino. That That is what it is. It's not about quality. And while people are mentioning that he did lose his starting spot to Yuri Mina uh, with Colombia as well, Barcelona cashed out on Mina. It didn't make sense to keep uh, Yuri Mina at the time, so they got the money for him. And Mina does add a ton offensively that fit what Colombia wanted to do in a way that uh, at Barcelona— Mario is going to be expected to just do what a Barcelona center back does, and it's it's move the ball. And whether he's playing with Langley, who likes to come out and be the guy to make the tackle, and same thing with PK. PK, uh, while he doesn't have the speed he used to, uh, Mario still is only 26. He's not the fastest center back, but he also isn't slow by any any regard. So he's just going to be expected to snuff out danger defensively. And then let's say he's paired with Langley or PK, they're going to be the center back that is going to have license to move forward. So really, he's just going to have to focus on defending for the largest part of it uh, and be that second center back, if you will. And the other thing I, I would mention about this is that he comes in almost knowing full well on loan that he is the backup to those two starters. And yes, an injury to Langley or PK, uh, it, it would be a, bi- a big issue if the injury bug hits. But those things stink and they derail a season. True, in the same regard, you don't expect Mario to be the guy in the Champions League at the end of the day. I mean, and for any injury that befells Langley or PK, the same injury could derail Messi or or Busquets, or Suarez. I mean, injuries happen, so you don't plan for those. You don't think about those. You always have to have depth in the squad, and Mario certainly does add depth. So on paper, Barcelona will not be playing the Champions League with him. He will be the backup in case one of the two center backs gets injured. But as he has proven, as you mentioned, Diana, he is he has been good enough to play in the Liga, and he is having a lack of form right now. But give him some time coming in in January, getting back up to speed. He can play some Liga games, and I wouldn't worry too much about that. And again, he's a loan option that continues to keep open the hope that uh, De Ligt might show up next fall. And again, then that means that, to me at least, Barcelona have put themselves in a terrific spot with that position. Now, moving on, speaking of the holidays, Mike Miller asks... Can you talk about what the boys will be up to during the holidays? Is there a friendly match scheduled? And I haven't heard anything. Diana, have you heard anything? No, I think that the friendly match that happened over the holidays two years ago or whenever it was, was because we had a, a friendly in our contract with Qatar Airways and we had to play it before the contract expired, which was that summer. So that's basically the only reason why it happened. Otherwise, the players go on holiday for like a week or something. And uh, I think that La Liga starts in the weekend of, you know, like uh, 4 and 5 January, the 4th and the 5th. So they should uh, come back on the, I mean, I'm mostly focusing on the players who travel across the Atlantic. Yeah. But the... They should be back on the first or the second, I guess, and uh, I, probably on the second. And they'll have a couple of days of training and then just get back to speed. But yeah. that's usually how it works. Everybody goes on vacation and the players that don't have an extended break and don't negotiate to have it with the club, 
start training about a week before the first round and uh, then, you know, they get a couple of days off for the New Year's and that's it. Yeah, that's a great point. You bring up that friendly. Actually, it was even last season, but they go away on that friendly, and then they had either was it three matches in about uh, ten days right after that friendly, and it really just threw a monkey wrench into everything. And you know, we also do. It is only two weeks, and they do play on Sunday the sixth, right after that break, uh, as you made mention. And a lot of those guys also played in the World Cup. Busquets, Messi, PK, Suarez, Rakitic are all over 30 and our only left back, and I'd say that almost tongue-in-cheek, our only left back, Jordi Alba, is just 29. Uh, This is a squad that is older, and rest is is certainly a good thing. So I would say that, yes, while the friendlies are made, sometimes even years in advance and and set up like that, it is a little bit extra cash. This is a time when the club, I I think, just take those two weeks, enjoy the time off with your players. You and I will have fun well, you know, watching all the players on Instagram uh, have their holidays and enjoy their time with their families uh, and see what all the, the, the cute things that the Messi boys and, and, and Suarez, Rakitic, and Puskas, all, all the babies, all the children, all the things that they have going on. Uh, it's always just an enjoyable time. Now, Douglas asks, will Barca be non-EU players like Ronald Arroyo, who came from Uruguay, and Musa Wagwe be able to play with the first team in the new year? And now I did a little research on this. Uh, Wagwe finally got healthy and his papers were done. And both have become starters for Barca B, actually, uh, since their paperwork was finally finished. Arayo had to wait a little longer, but he has been starting over Jorge Cuenca recently. Um, but there is kind of a, a three a three-man rotation um, with Oscar Mingueza, who's kind of fallen out uh, as far as being a starter. He's playing with the, the UEFA Youth League team as well as uh, playing at right back and left back occasionally. Uh, so it's basically just Chumi, Cuenca, and Arayu who are in a three-man rotation. But I don't think Arayu is still anywhere near the first team this season. Uh, again, doing, due to having that long break for Barca B and then now having to kind of get up to speed. Apparently, he offensively has been terrific, but defensively, he's still been making uh, too many mistakes to be thrown into uh, La Liga competition at all. And Wagre would be the option here, I think, of the two, certainly. With right back at Barca being what it is at the moment, with Roberto dealing with his injury and Nelson Semedo just getting a little banged up, he should be the first one back. But still, I mean, Romelian gets hurt at right back. So if Nelson Semedo isn't ready to go against Celta de Vigo over the weekend, I, I, who I don't know who goes. Uh, and obviously he'll have to, and by that being Valverde, will probably have to do something else where he does uh, some kind of three center back. But again, you only have Piquet and Lele. So I think there is definitely a an issue that Barcelona has in terms of uh, what they're going to be doing and moving players around. Um, but because Wagwe is registered with the B team, I don't think you should expect that he can be called up without consequence of having too many non-EU players because both he and Arayu are registered as non-EU players for Barca B, not for the first team. So I don't think that there is a conflict there with calling those guys up. They still count as registered non-EU players for the B team, if that all makes sense. Yeah, I think that uh, that when when we played the second game in the Copa, there was a discussion about why Wagner wasn't called. And somebody said that, uh, I think Gerard Romero said that uh, there was a problem with his paperwork and that he couldn't play for the first team yet, but that after the new year, new year he would be available to play. So I'm not sure what the whole situation is, but... Um, that's basically all I know about the paperwork situation around them. All right, Diana, let's go a little more quick fire here. James asks, Arthur is back fit. 
But does he start? Vidal, Rakitic, and Busquets has been solid enough to afford us playing three attackers up front in Messi, Suarez, and Nibeli together. Valverde is pragmatic, and the midfield of Vidal, Rakitic, and Busquets is the one he wanted all along. Is, is this really, again, Valverde's, not to say Valverde's master plan, but uh, do you think that he's going to continue to go forward with that Vidal, Rakitic, Busquets midfield and let Artur come off the bench? I'm not sure that it was his plan all along. I think that he just, you know, made use of it as long as Arthur was injured. But I think that uh, Arthur has to come back because, I mean, we've been playing okay, I guess, but I have certainly missed his influence in the middle of the pitch, and I think that uh, he should come back, and I think that, you know, either Busi or Rakitic should be rested before they collapse, basically, on the pitch. Armin asks, can the traditional values of the club being individualism, connection to the Catalan community, the Cruyff ideology, etc., be upheld in this globalized era? Doesn't the increased brandness, as he put in quotes, of the club decrease the intimacy between the fans and the team? And, uh, you know, th- this is a tough one here because we could have whole shows. We could dedicate a whole, the we could, instead of the Barcelona podcast where we talk about the first thing, we could dedicate a whole podcast to these very ideas. Um, but I, I guess what would you say, uh, Diana, just comparing the values of the club with this new globalized way, as we've seen that you can't really, yeah, I mean, the, the major clubs in the world that, that fight for the Champions League, they have to be global brands to be able to have the funds to fight for those kind of competitions. Yeah, I think that this is a tricky line that the club has to try and walk, and I'm not entirely sure that they're doing it right, but I'm not entirely sure it can be done right. Because it is a thing that is happening with all of the clubs across Europe. Because, you know, people from all around the world now have access to and love these clubs that were clubs that were formed in communities and had community ties. So you have to keep those community ties so that you don't lose your core, as it were. But at the same time, you have to keep expanding your brand and if you want a perfect example of this is the thing that came the motto of the club because it's it basically sounded good as a marketing ploy but Mesquion club was never about you know like ridiculous values and morals and stuff it was used the phrase was used because the club was one of the only places where the people could come together during Franco's time in Spain and speak Catalan without being afraid. So that was the core issue that was that was at the heart of Mesquion Club. But then it got branded and it became a marketing slogan, and it, nobody really, you know, it keeps getting thrown at us whenever the club does something as you know they do because. Uh, nobody understands the core meaning of it. So I guess that, yes, you lose some of your, you know, core issues and important uh, connections. But if the people really want to understand the club and really want to get to the bottom of what being a fan of this club means, they have to be interested in more than just the superficial stuff and actually, you know, dig in and read more. Yeah, I, I think that last point is the one that I 100%, I mean, you and I are not in Spain at the moment, uh, and neither of us were born there as well, but we are both, you know, great fans of, of the club. And I would say, you know, there was actually a, 
a debate on even on social media this week, and it happens every week on in every corner of the internet. But about you know liking your local team and sticking with your local team, that should be your team. Uh, but obviously, you know, you and I completely disagree with that. In that, you know, th- that my favorite team in the world in, in any sport, you know, growing up in the states is FC Barcelona. Was FC Barcelona, and for me. Uh, and a lot of people around the world, Barcelona is a global brand. That's what they are. They're available for me to watch now week in and week out, finally. Uh, and, and I enjoy to watch them every week. I can keep up with the news of what's happening with a club from Spain. And you feel like you're right there uh, with the action you know, day in and day out and having that pulse of the club. That said, the one thing I can say, even if you're feeling a little bit guilty about being a fan of a club that's a global brand, is that is that it's really important to know your history and and understand what that, that FC Barcelona has that connection with not only Catalonia but the city of Barcelona. And I, I think for me, that's been honestly, I mean, going behind the curtain, that has been one of the most enjoyable parts of doing this podcast is going through the history books and going through the different things that have led Barcelona to be the club they are today, the different choices, the different figures, the different characters. Um, and you mentioned Franco, the Franco era. Uh, that is, again, a paramount part of Barcelona, FC Barcelona and the city of Barcelona and the Catalonian people. It, all of that is all intertwined together uh, in their history. And so I would say just, again, uh, know the club that you support. Just don't yell Messi on the internet. Uh, he is the greatest player of all time, true, and we can't say enough about him. Uh, but FC Barcelona is uh, its a rich club with a lot of history, as a lot of these are. So if you're all in, then go all in and, and recognize not only where you are, but where they came from as well. I think that's, again, an important part of recognizing that it's not just a brand, but it's, it's a club as a whole and just enjoying it in that way. Now, one of the players that have come to Barcelona to be a part of that brand uh, is the Brazilian Coutinho. And Beacon asks, can you talk about why Coutinho hasn't been a starter lately? I think that this is a more complex issue than just be him being a starter. I mean, he was injured and he's coming back from injury. So that obviously derailed things. But one of the issues is that I think that a year ago, we were talking about how I wasn't sure if, uh, you know, he could be uh, Barcelona interior when the move was being talked about. And the year that has passed has done nothing to, you know, calm my doubts. If, if nothing else, it's basically made me more sure that he can't be a Barcelona midfielder and that he has to play that, that position as a, you know, some something in between the left interior position and the left winger and uh, I think that he does well in that position I think that you know I've kind of been a little disappointed with how he's performed with his tendency to go in and out of games but again this is nothing that I didn't know or wasn't aware of it's just that you know at Liverpool he was the central player that things went through so he was more involved all the time, and here he isn't because he can't be. So I think that changes changes the situation for him. Uh, but, you know, he is a valuable player, and he brings a lot of things to the pitch. And I think that he will return to his position as a starter. And if you do need more uh, to hear about where he should be starting, that was our La Grande Pregunta last week with Alex uh, Truica. So head over to, you can just hit tbpod.link backslash 117. That'll take you there so you can hear that show uh, where, again, Cantina was the main focus of La Grande Pregunta. Now, Zach asked, we've got two more questions here, Diana. Zach asked, can you talk about the UCL draw? 
Lyon looked good against City, but aside from that, I haven't seen much of them. And before we get to that, uh, Deanna, we have you on the show. I didn't just, uh, I didn't set this booby trap for you, but I have to ask you. It's Liverpool against Bayern Munich, and I gotta say, Bayern Munich looks as weak as it has in recent years. And if Liverpool's gonna overtake Bayern Munich, uh, now is gonna be the time, I'd say. Yeah, I got really nervous during that draw because teams teams kept uh, getting picked out and none of them were Barca or Liverpool and I keep I kept getting worried about the <laughs> yeah. fact that they would face each other and I basically have to disappear off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really glad that that didn't happen and everything else was basically fine with me. I mean everything else. So, yeah, Bayern will be a tough nut to crack, obviously. But uh, as you've said, they have been weaker. And the thing with them as well is the fact that they have a core of players that is aging. I mean, they're still, you know, like relying on Robin and Ribery, and they're like ancient. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that it will be an interesting contest between the two, but I definitely you know, trust Liverpool in it. Yeah, you don't have to face Thomas Mueller as well after that kick to uh, Tagliafico in the uh, last group stage game uh, when they were playing Ajax. And speaking of Ajax, they do face Real Madrid. And again, for any year that Real Madrid could get ever taken down by Ajax, Ajax having one of their better years uh, led again by a, a number of talented players. They seem to have finally come to it. Uh, come to fruition after a terrible season a year ago, this would be the year that Ajax is going to have the, the horses to take down a, a weakened Real Madrid team, if you will, um, with what they have. But again, last question was about Lyon. Um, and uh, as I've kind of looked at, it's Memphis Depay. He's a guy formerly of Man United, didn't really work out there, but he resurrected his career again in France after making his name with PSV. And Nabil Fakir, a guy who was linked to Liverpool this summer, never went, stayed in France, uh, the French attacking midfielder. Those are going to be the two to worry about, the number nine, if you will. But Dubai is more of a guy that isn't necessarily just a target number nine. He can get out on the wing. He creates space really well. Uh, also has really low socks as well, which can, I think can be a little distracting <laughs> to center backs, if you will. But Fakir as well, uh, good on set pieces, a, a dangerous option in the middle of the field. And then I think the... Eyes as well should be on the trio of uh, Hussan Ayor, Tangu Andabale, and particularly uh, Ferlan Mendy, who is the left back. And Mendy is a guy who has been linked to Barcelona in the past as being the left back to be the transition between Alba and Juan Miranda. Um, and Mendy is very talented in his own right. I think those are all young, promising guys that even if none of them ever wind up at Barcelona, those are a trio of, of guys that could wind up at big clubs over the summertime. So I think that uh, Lyon certainly have a number of players to watch. They're an attacking team. They're going to try to get out it and press Barcelona. Um, but I think talent for talent, you see that, again, Barcelona have the talent to beat a team like Lyon, and they should still be, obviously, favorites in the match. And as we've seen, when Lionel Messi said, I go back to it, when he said that the Champions League is the focus this season in the, in the preseason, I, that should remind you that Barcelona are going to be taking them very seriously, and they're not going to be underestimating them. And they know that uh, they know exactly the kind of team that they're going to be playing. So I, I think they're going to kind of, kind of control the match against Lyon uh, in, in, on both a home and away. Uh, and I would expect, though, a difficult task ahead. Yeah, I think that it definitely won't be easy because they have quality players and uh, at this point in the Champions League, nothing is really easy, except for maybe, you know, City against Schalke. <laughs> so, but yeah. all the other ties seem pretty, you know, challenging at least. 
So I think that this, again, will be uh, an interesting tie to watch for Barca because they definitely wouldn't want to repeat the mistakes of the past with underestimating opponents. So I think that uh, they'll go in it fully focused and uh, they should be able to manage to qualify to the quarterfinals. For the last one today, Guatham asks, how flexible is this Barca team? We've seen them in a 4-4-2, a 4-3-3, a 4-2-3-1, and a 3-4-3. And I think, Deanna, we already have kind of touched on this, that if right back continues to be a little bit of an issue in terms of injuries and the like, and center back isn't as deep as it could be, and Jordi Alba being the only left back, do you think Ernesto Valverde, I'm going to switch this up a little bit too, do you think Ernesto Valverde is going to have to get a little creative in some of those formations? Yeah, I was surprised last weekend when he got a little creative because I didn't think we would be playing three at the back. But uh, nevertheless, we did. And we survived. And um, yeah, I think that the the situation with injuries uh, and the, the squad being what it is right now is going to have to force him to, into making some weirder formations. And um I think that it could be interesting. It is a flexible team when you come to think of the fact that you have players like Coutinho who don't really fit a set role, so you can slide him in there and um, he can play between those two positions at the left interior and the left winger. So I think that it could be very interesting to watch what he does, what Valverde decides to do moving forward. Well, between the, the Champions League and Liverpool and Barcelona, both leading their respective leagues, you are always going to be a fun follow on Twitter with your team succeeding. So I'll, I'll let you get the plug as you always do. Where else can people find you? <laughs> yeah, right now, I mean, I'm going to have a two-week vacation, so I'm probably going to be on Twitter more than usual. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can just follow me there and uh, basically observe me going crazy during games. Of course. And then be a reasonable, I think, person the rest of the time. So, uh, yeah, that's where I can be found. Yeah, I find uh, I find you to be most particularly fun on Champions League days. Again, those are the most stressful ones, <laughs> certainly. Oh my God! And of course, because you know life is punishing me, I guess. <laughs> but of course, Liverpool and Barca will be playing their games at the same time on the same days because you know. Yep. That's how it works. Of course, of course. <laughs> well, again, you can find uh, the link to Diana's Twitter in the show notes. Just. Click on her name there and take you right there uh, on in the app. And you can also check out the show notes to subscribe to the show. You can also find us on social media too. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at Hilton D13 for me. On Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group is tbpod.link backslash group for deeper dives and discussions. Also, where you can ask these questions. Again, all these questions came from LaRonda from our closed Facebook group. And finally, help us out on Patreon to continue making these shows at tbpod.link backslash Patreon. And the new thing that, again, now I can announce because I've kind of gotten a rhythm and we're figuring it out. I've been doing these small little match reviews from Barcelona's games and we're working it out. It comes out within 24 hours of the game happening. It's usually out within the next uh, five, six hours after the game and sometimes even an hour or two. Uh, so those are something to look forward to on Patreon and only available to those on Patreon at tvpod.link backslash Patreon. So thanks so much for all of our listeners to listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Forza Barca.
And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.